This is Echo Zoe Radio, episode 141 for January 2020 with Jim Tingler of iTech. Welcome to Echo Zoe Radio, the podcast outreach of Echo Zoe Ministries, where you'll hear about important topics affecting the church today. Our primary goal is to explore a variety of issues while remaining faithful to God and His Word. Stay with us for the next hour as your host, Andy Olson, shares his conversation with this month's guest. Here's your host, Andy Olson. I'm Andy Olson. Thanks for listening to Echo Zoe Radio. This is episode 141 for January 2020 with Jim Tingler. Jim is the director of administration for a mission support organization called iTech, or Indigenous Peoples Technology and Education Center, based in Dunnellan, Florida. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. iTech is a fascinating origin story and a very cool mission, and so that's going to be the topic of our discussion today. Show notes for the episode are available. You can find a video version of the show, basic outline of the discussion, list of any scriptures that we might reference during the show, as well as links to additional resources. And you can find that at echozoi.com slash 141. So then the video also is available at the Echozoi Ministries YouTube page if you care to watch there. But with that, I'd like to welcome Jim Tingler to the show. And um, Jim, your audio is up. I'm just getting the video Okay. Hey, Andy. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So thanks for coming on. Yeah. Um, I, uh, we were just chatting a little bit beforehand. This is a a very fun show for me that I've been really looking forward to. And we've been kind of doing some scheduling and and trying to get that working for a number of months, trying to make it work. And I'm so glad that now with Christmas break and it being slow, we were able to get our schedules to work together. And, um, I, I, I'd like to kind of introduce you a little bit, but I want to talk a little bit about like why, how did I find out about you? I think because it, it was really fun. Okay, that sounds good. So um, talk a little bit about you, I guess, not too much, but um, what you do and what iTech is. Sure. Okay. So you want me to talk about what I do and what iTech is? Yeah, talk just briefly okay. about iTech, like the mission and... Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I, and I hope it's as fun as, uh, you know, the, the buildup has been for you. Um, at least if it's not this podcast, you know, your listeners can go on and, and check out our, our website because everybody else I feel like is at least a little more interesting than, than the director of administration. But <laughs> what, what I like to call myself, I'm the official plate spinner. So <laughs> I play a lot of the uh, background roles helping support the team. And so iTech as an organization, we're focused on developing, training, and equipping. So developing means the the tools or training. And then we're equipping indigenous Christ followers. And then our goal is to equip the the others to do the same. So let, let me just try to clarify what all that means. So we as an organization focus on equipping the local church around the world to do the things that short-term missionaries often try and go and do for others. So whether that be a medical missionary um, coming in and, and setting up a clinic where there are no doctors, um, instead of going and, and supporting that, we try to go and train the local church so they can provide medical care on an ongoing basis. Mm-hmm. Um, places where maybe there's uh, some mechanical needs, um, we go in, like as far as small engine repair and, and maintenance, we train the local church to be able to provide that. And so the process we go about that is, is an, it's, we're on a, on a learning basis. And so our team here, uh, we've got professionals from different fields. We've got engineers working to maybe find creative tools that might support the work of training that local church. Um, and then we also have professionals from the different fields like medical field or, or dentistry or however, however it might, how, might fit. 
Um, that's what's going on today. But I think one of the more interesting parts, as you mentioned, an origin story of how we came to be was uh, yeah. our, our organization was founded by a guy named Steve Saint. His father was a missionary, uh, Nate Saint, missionary pilot down in the jungles of Ecuador. Um, a lot of people are familiar with the story in 1956. There's been movies and books and all kind of things that have um, covered that story. One of the more popular missionaries would have been Jim Elliott. And so that tribe they were trying to reach out to, the Waldani tribe, um, this was their idea, this organization. And so we wouldn't be here. We would be sitting here right here having this conversation if it wasn't for the Waldani tribe. So mm-hmm. um, there's a lot in between those. But I, I always like to talk about what we're doing today. Just mm-hmm. because sometimes we can get caught up in kind of the past, and we've yeah. been really intentional in trying to say this is who we are and this is where we're going. Yeah. Well, I was fascinated by the past, and um, the way it came up for me was uh, my kids and I. You know, I'm a stay-at-home dad, and and uh, right. I homeschool. My I've got four kids; three of them are school age, and so I, I I homeschool those three. And as part of the curriculum that I chose, they have um, they're reading the from the Christian heroes then and now series. And it's a very right. fascinating series of books. We read through uh, George Mueller, who was a, a German man who moved to England and started orphanages. And that was the first year that I homeschooled. And then the second year we, we read about Gladys Aylward, who was a missionary from England to China. And that was another fascinating story. And I like these stories so much that what I was doing was I decided, well, last spring, I, let's just order a bunch of these books that we can read together as a family outside of school once the school year is over. And so one of the first ones I got was this, uh, the one on Nate Saint. And, oh, yeah. um, and I was drawn to it because I've got a little bit of aviation uh, experience. I, I'm a private okay. pilot. I've, I've got maybe 100 hours, 100 to 150 hours, and maybe 50 of that is PIC. So you know, okay. I'm not super experienced, but enough that I love aviation. Hold on. Now, hold on. Now, I'm sure all of your listeners don't even know what that means. So Pilot in PIC. command. Pilot in command. Pilot in okay. command. So, See, I, I, I work with a lot of pilots, so that's mm-hmm. why I'm trying to help everybody else out because I feel it the same way. I, I'm not mm-hmm. a pilot, but there are a lot of pilots, you know, in our organization. Yep. So, uh, so that's all I knew. Medical was, field. Yeah, yep. we, we got to clarify. Yep. So, so uh, that just means that, that out of my maybe 150 hours, you know, 50 of it is I'm the only one in the airplane, I'm the one in control. Uh, I didn't have an instructor with me. Uh, I oh, that's have, a big deal. Didn't have somebody else. Uh, I'm, you know, the guy in charge of landing and taking off and making sure the flight's safe. Which, um, nice. it, it is a big deal. But um, you know, most pilots start getting hundreds and then thousands of hours, and and it kind of becomes second nature. And I've I've never reached that second nature part, but right. it's still in my blood, and I love it. And that's all I knew when I saw this uh, book on Nate Saint. I hadn't heard any of this story. I hadn't read mm. End of the Spear. I I had you know once I, you sent me some materials a few months ago, and and that was among the among the materials. And then it clicked with me. I had heard that you know several years ago, probably when it shortly after it came out, but I never put it together until you sent me the book. Nice. And uh, but it was a it was a great story. And and I read on Nate and um and then I. I, I thought, well, I'm going to look up and see, you know, there's a lot, so much stuff on YouTube for just about everything. I'm going to see if there's anything on YouTube. And, and I came across Saint, uh, Steve then, and, and uh, okay. from Steve I, I learned about iTech and, and uh, reached out. I was hoping maybe to get a podcast interview with Steve, and you informed me of his accident. And, and I said, well, I don't want that to get us down. If Steve can't do it, I want to talk to someone from iTech. And, right. Uh, so. Well, and, and Steve would clarify, he doesn't call it an accident. He doesn't believe there are accidents. Mm-hmm. So it's his injury. His injury. And um, so his injury has left him limited um, about seven years ago. Uh, he, you know, I'm sure, talk about show notes. You could probably put a link to the next chapter. It's a series of, uh, yep. there's seven videos that follow Steve's um, road over kind of the injury to recovery for two years and it's ongoing. He had um, a whiplash that caused severe spinal cord damage. And so he's what they call an incomplete quadriplegic now. And so there's some weeks he's 
doing great and then others not so much but um i highly recommend those videos that it's yeah. a great story steve's very encouraging and um one thing well, he never lost was his uh was his wit he immediately jumps right into uh one of the interviews with minkai over over a video call soon after his accident jumps right into wow to ditto and and you know, speaking a different language. So, yeah. and anyway, yeah. Well, I think that it, it's important. Uh, I'm just telling like how I learned of the story, but it's kind of important to at least set um, the story a little bit and how Nate was a missionary bush pilot in Ecuador right. and yeah. he's flying all over and, and there's this tribe there that they knew as the Akas. Right. And the Akas were, um, they were savage. I mean, they, they did not want any foreigners entering their land and they were killing, um, oil workers that were down there at the time or any missionaries or anybody that came on their territory would be speared to death. And they made it their mission right. that they were going to, they were going to try to be the ones to reach through and, and uh, reach these people and spent time um, giving gifts by putting them down a line out of the airplane. So they were right. safe and they were giving gifts to the, the tribe and, and then managed to man, make contact, um, had one contact. And then on the second contact, was when the tribe came and ended up spearing him and the five, the was five total people four four people that were right. with him and they yeah, speared yeah, him all five. to death. And, and then it was then his sister, Rachel, who picked up the mantle and then threw a girl who had escaped the tribe, mm-hmm. um, managed to start learning the language and then was able to break through and make it into the tribe and bring the gospel to the tribe. And so Steve, who was five at the time, right. Came, comes yeah. into the tribe as a child and is raised among the trial of the tribe and ends up not only sharing the gospel, but becoming family with the people. And you, you mentioned Minkai and he's a big part of the story. And he's one of the people that end up spearing Nate to death and is like a second father to Steve. And it's just, it's a, it's a, I love the story because it shows the power of the gospel and how here's a man who kills another man. And yet, becomes family with a, with the the dead man's son. It's a it's a story only God could write. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, you went through you know that the basic overview of that story, and uh, just just to follow up, yeah, this this Alka tribe, which that's what the outsiders were calling them, which means uh, naked savage. Uh, Wildani is what they called themselves, which means the true people. Mm-hmm. So you could imagine the Shell Oil Company moving into this area and guys working out, you know, clearing land or, or getting killed by this tribe. So there's a tension. So yeah. the Shell Oil Company, if they see some of these tribe members, what do you think they're going to do? Um, they're going to start killing them back. And so yeah. not only that tension was going on, this this tribe was um, was based on killing each other. I mean, that that's that's conflict resolution in the tribe was you're going to, you're going to get killed. And so anthropologists have since called them the most violent tribe to have ever lived on the planet. So they had a 60% homicide rate. So if you died in that tribe, more than likely you were murdered. And so um, there was a lot of things against this tribe as far as survival going on. And so, yeah, these five missionaries, Nate Saint being one of them as the pilot, they, they had, a burden and a calling to reach this unreached people group who nobody had ever lived, made contact and lived to tell, a, tell anybody else about it. And so you're right. They had several peaceful encounters exchanging gifts. And there was a, um, a misunderstanding that led to the killing of the five men, which they were armed and right. uh, they chose to sacrifice themselves. And so, there's a lot more to the story, and I, I know. Well, you as I understand it, there was a, a couple that were like more or less engaged to be married. That were that had come across them. That was the initial encounter, but they weren't supposed to be traveling together or or seen together. Right, that's part of the. Tra- there's a little so, bit of a misunderstanding with that. So yeah. part of the 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 murders was going back to the tribe, and they didn't want to admit that they were they were out together when they weren't supposed to be. So right. they concocted this story about the missionaries being there to kill them. And so then there was an honor thing that these men had to go out and, and, uh, and kill these missionaries, you know, for the honor of the tribe. 
And that's, right. the, that's where the misunderstanding is. Yeah. And, and as it was, I mean, this, this was a tribe where conflict, conflict resolution often ended in murder. Um, I think there was uh, four rules. I, I might be getting these off a little bit, but you know, if somebody does something to offend you, um, the first thing is try to forget about it. You know, the, the second rule would be if you can't, you know, forget about it, you know, you need to go and kill them. <laughs> and then to follow Nothing up in between, that, huh? Nothing. It's just, no, just that's it. They're, ignore they're, it or this, kill them. This is the resolution. Forget or not, you know, so, but then the problem is if you have somebody in your family or friend that was killed, it's not only your, your right, it's your obligation to retaliate. Mm-hmm. And so when you go and you go to handle this situation, you bring a bunch of people in and try and kill off this group of people. So there's nobody to retaliate against you. So you could just see how this, it, it wasn't a good situation. And so you're right. Fast forward after the five men and Rachel St. Elizabeth Elliott move in with the tribe, they were teaching them that there's a different way. They, they mm-hmm. taught them about how gar- God's carvings told them about forgiveness and that killing wasn't always the answer. And soon after they moved in, the killings had virtually ceased. Now there's, it's still, you know, a group of people where these things can happen, but it's um, dramatically different from where it was. And so there's some that might argue, well, you know, going in and changing the culture, you know, is, you know, we as Christians shouldn't get ourselves involved in something like that. But in reality, this group of people might not have even existed had these five missionaries not even, you know, tried to put that effort in. And again, looking at, you know, their heart was Revelation 7, where, you know, every tribe and group and people worshiping God is is the end goal. That's where we're going. And so they believed that this Wild Donnie tribe was going to be a part of it. And that was God's plan. And so, um, praise the Lord, they yeah, will be. absolutely. And I think one thing that's kind of... Um it's kind of neat in the story and, and watching videos with Steve is seeing um, because of the, the language barrier and the culture barrier, uh, how he describes things. And you kind of threw out a little phrase there when you talked about God's carvings. And mm-hmm. I mean, you got a stone age people that don't know what a book is um, right. much less writing. And so that's how they were describing just regular writing is that's it's their carvings. And yes, and he talks yeah. about like walking God's path, you know, and you know these things right. that that it's it's really the only way to break through that huge cultural divide, right? Yeah, so totally different, and and that's being culturally sensitive to who they are, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I mean that that's that's part of a lot of mission work is is to go in and not try to change the people, but but just bring God's truth. You know, yeah. um, what does that look like for them? Mm-hmm. So let's uh, kind of bring, come back more up to date now. So we've got the backstory of, of the founder of iTech. Right. How does that work then with his tribe? He's, he worked, you know, all his life. He's a, he's a dual Ecuadorian U.S. citizen, and um, he's a Steve member Sam. of yeah. Steve, and, and he's a member of the family of this tribe that murdered his his father and uh, yeah. uh, how, how did that lead to iTech? So, yeah. And just to go back when he was a boy, uh, you know, his father was killed. I, I think it was five years old. Mm-hmm. Um, he ends up spending summers w- out with the tribe, out with his aunt Rachel. So growing up in and around the wild Donnie. Um, yeah. The same man who killed his father adopted him as a son. So, Steve, you know, considered the Wild Donnie family and what was once an unreached people group um, soon had a lot of missionary efforts poured into this region. Um, You know, what most would think would suppress missionary efforts of five men being killed in the jungle actually did quite the opposite. It it really just kind of amplified and charged a lot of people up Mm -hmm. to go into missions. Um, What's been amazing is just hearing the stories of people who had, you know, in some way been connected to that, you know, 1956 story and just working at iTech, it's a connection to that. And so being able to hear people, um, 
there's a gentleman who called, he was in seminary at the time. And um, so the news got out, his, his professor had heard what had happened. And so he walks into the class and shares, shares with what was going on and challenged the students, okay, who's gonna take their place? And so just the, the challenge that went out to people and the, the, the efforts that went into mission work at that time are, are uh, unbelievable. At the same time, sometimes we can intend to do a lot of good from our perspective, but not always be culturally sensitive. Mm-hmm. And so one of the challenges that the Waldani tribe faced moving forward, and this is about the mid-90s. So Rachel Saint had, had lived down there with the tribe for almost her entire life, working to translate the Bible into the, the wild Tadedo language. And so... And not to interrupt you, but if I understand correctly, yes. she was working with Wycliffe at the time? Wycliffe, yeah. yeah. Wycliffe, yeah. So uh, that's an organization that mo- yes, Wycliffe most, Bible most Christians have at yeah. least heard of. Yeah, yeah. So... Yeah, Aunt, Aunt Rachel, Rachel Saint was, was working with Wycliffe, working to translate the Bible. And so she ends up passing away in the mid-90s, and Steve Saint goes down to help bury his Aunt Rachel with the tribe. And it was at that time the tribe asked Steve if he would come down there and, and move in with them, like, you know, as Aunt Rachel did. As Aunt Rachel lived almost her entire life with the tribe. And so... He said, you know, well, what, what would you want me to do? You know, there's a lot of missionaries here that can do the things that I would do for you. They said, we don't want you to do anything. We want you to teach us how to do the things that missionaries are doing for us. And so they wanted to learn, you know, how to do the medical things that they saw missionaries coming in and doing. They, they wanted to learn how to do the dentistry thing that they saw people coming in and doing. And they wanted to even learn how to fly airplanes. And so what was seemingly this crazy idea, they realized that when you can minister um, to people, you know, through practical ways, it would, it would open the door to be able to share the gospel. Yeah. And so this small group of people who were Christ followers saw missionaries coming in and doing this, but they wanted to be able to serve their community as well. They wanted to participate in the work that was going on. And so the idea of training somebody who has no background um, in medicine or even schooling like we would know um, and teach them how to do dentistry was just a total foreign concept. But in reality, you could do it. It's just going to look different. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not going to be four years of dental school. It's yeah. what we teach this person in a week. Well, you sent me a copy of, um, uh, it's called the, the Great Omission. Right. And uh, I I was just, you know, we just were talking in the last, uh, it's been less than a week that we were setting up a, a firm date to talk. And so I decided I'm going to race through and read as much as I can. And um, I'm uh, 70% done. And, and uh, there's a lot to it. Even just the little thing of like dentistry, there's, there's, it's really a rich area there. And, um, you know, he talks about, bringing a dentist in to fix, I mean, these people have no concept of even basic oral hygiene. And so they right. abscess teeth and you know what teeth they it's have. are abscessed. Yeah. It's a huge problem. And we, and we could take it for granted. Right. You know, um, we, in a developed country, we have about one dentist per 5,000 people. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of rural or developed developing countries, it could be one to 1 million. Yeah. So the reality of you going and seeing a dentist is just slim to none. Uh-huh. And so, yeah, when you get an abscess tooth or some type of problem, complicate that with maybe not taking care of your teeth as much. Um, yeah. There's there's huge complications that arise. Well, there's also the huge cultural divide. He talks about uh, uh, one thing I, I think, you know, I didn't think about, and I'm sure most people don't, and, and the danger of sending, you know, we can find a, a dentist who will take a little vacation from his dentistry and go right. spend a week or two down in the jungle fixing teeth. And there's sure. probably thousands of dentists in America that would, would feel honored to have an opportunity to do that. But, but the problems that that kind of arise from that, you know? Sure. And well, yeah, I was just say, Hey, you know, praise the Lord. There are people that do that and are willing to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, the reality of, 
trying to meet the needs that are out there are just unrealistic. And um, so, you know, maybe you can see a few hundred patients in a week and that would really be doing a lot of work. But people don't schedule their abscess teeth. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it doesn't just happen within that one week of the year. And so what if there was um, the availability of, of local people to be able to provide basic care? And so that's that's what the Wild Donnie were, were proposing to Steve Saint. They wanted to learn how they could, you know, provide, whether it be dental care, medical care, and even wanted to learn how to fly, you know, airplanes. That's what they they saw the need for. And so that's what started iTech. And, and by the way, The Great Omission was a book that Steve wrote while living down there with the Wild Donnie tribe in the mid-90s. Mm-hmm. And if any of your listeners want a copy, they can contact iTech and, and we send those copies out for free. So awesome. Um, you know, I was yeah. going to offer to do a drawing, but uh, that's even better. So Boom. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've had, so. uh, it's not normal for me to do a, a book drawing, but I've had, this would have been the fourth month in a row okay. to do a book drawing. And so I was we can make something but, happen, but we, um, we, that's an awesome offer. And, and I, I know you mean it cause I never asked for stuff, but you sent me a whole packet of wonderful yeah. materials. So, well, Hey, we, we love to, um, it's part of who we are. Mm-hmm. Um, as you said, the, the origin story, um, that was the desire of the wild Ani that, you know, them learning how to do this work. But um, iTech is an organization. We're not just working in Ecuador mm-hmm. each year. We're probably in 15 to 20 different countries uh, doing the same thing, training indigenous workers, the local church. We train Christ followers um, to be able to provide needs for their community to meet, meet basic needs. Yeah. And our goal isn't to try and solve the world's dental problems as an example, uh, sure. we're looking at the world's dental problems as an opportunity to show the love of Christ so we can have the opportunity to share it. Um, yeah. Our heart is, is to train Christ followers and further, you know, the gospel. And so we, we feel like this is what um, we've been called to do, what, what Steve was asked to do and, and God placed on his heart. And so that's, that's how we got started. We're, we're still trying to figure it out. We've got some things that we might be able to say are, are successful, but we've got plenty of room to grow. Yeah. Well, we were talking a little bit beforehand about how we're both uh, techie to some degree. You know, we were uh, kind of amateur video producers and uh, right. we like technology and stuff. And, and my aviation background really was kind of attracted me to checking you out and, and seeing some of the cool stuff where you're doing, like, um, you know, you, you talked about dentistry, you know, developing mm-hmm. – a dental chair that they can bring out in the middle of a jungle with no power and sure and no uh, you know you just gotta have to do with, with deal with what you got and uh, right you, you're working on some aviation like you know part of the reason why my my experience in aviation is so small is because it's expensive to fly you know? right you know, right even a little Cessna 172 can be a lot of money to sure. to rent yeah. and to to fuel and and to fly. And uh, that's another thing you do is work on cheaper aviation because it's so crucial in some of these tribal areas. Sure, sure. Yeah. So a couple of things. You, you mentioned the dental chair. And uh, I think aviation, you know, plays a similar role. The, the goal is to look at the problem and try to figure out a solution. Mm-hmm. And so for dentistry, one of, the, one of the challenges is, well, how can we train somebody in a short amount of time? So that's the, the training aspect. But then also, if we're going to do dentistry in the middle of the jungle, what, what kind of tools would we need? And so we try to look and see, uh, is there something available out there, you know, that we can use? And if there's not, then can we make something that would work? Mm-hmm. And so that's where the portable dental chair came out of that need, uh, trying to solve the problem. And um, so people can go and, and look at our, our portable dental chair folds up. 24 pounds. Uh, we've got options where you can carry it as a backpack and water resistant, get into some remote places. But another challenge that you run into and you mentioned is, is aviation. And so what, what's the real problem there? It's, it's transportation, remote yeah. area transportation. How do we get in and out of the jungle? How do we get to these remote places, whether it be for somebody that, you know, got bit by a snake or, 
needs supplies or whatever it may be. And so that's what we're working on trying to find solutions. So one of the hurdles is cost. Yeah. You know, how do we get somebody um, in and out of the jungle for, for the least expensive, but, but safe and then training. How long does it take to train somebody? And so, but there's even, uh, there's even a story behind the cost too, in that, sure. uh, we don't just want to, I mean, it'd be so easy to run out and, and express your need to a bunch of American churches and have a, have a collection come sure. up and, and buy an airplane. I mean, you could do that, sure, but that's not necessarily going to serve the problem long term. And right. Well, there's plenty of complications that, that that could bring in as far as the, the paternal relationship um, and the dependency, you know. Mm-hmm. So does, does the, the church just keep raising the funds to send down the money for them to operate this? And um, there's, there's a lot of complexity in that conversation. But, you know, what if there was a cheaper way to fly than a 172? Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the things that we experimented with was uh, power parachutes. I'm not sure if you're familiar with those yep. big propeller on a small vehicle and it drags the parachute behind and, and kind of propels you forward and then kites up yep. the parachute. And then the, the kite acts as the wing. Yeah. And so, um, and you've got it on your website, your YouTube page, you've got like, it looks like a little go-kart almost or a, or a dune right. buggy with yeah. a parachute behind it. Right. Well, that's, that's a whole nother world of, of, um, trying to figure out a solution. That's our maverick, but powered parachutes are available commercially. Mm -hmm. Um, so think of small motor propeller. Usually you could put a a couple of passengers on it. Um, Well, it can even be as small as uh, the motor can just be a backpack. Right. Yeah. We've got somebody that that works at our facility that took a road and a a backpack, little powered paraglider. I think that's what they're called. And uh, went all the way up to Oshkosh from Central Florida. Oh wow! So, yeah, I mean, it's possible. These these small vehicles are out there, and um, so um, somebody on our team actually trained uh, a preacher pilot in the Congo how to use a um, a powered parachute, and he flies in and out of some of these airstrips on his own. So minimal fuel, minimal training. The Wild Army tribe. Actually, there, there's a, a guy, Tamenta, out of the Wadani tribe, was trained how to fly a powered parachute in six hours' time. Nice. So he soloed in six hours. So you know how, long, how many hours was it for you? Well, the minimum by, by FAA regulation, I believe, is 20, and I think it took me 40 or 50 before I f- was ready to solo. Okay. Yeah. So this was uh, – I believe this was in another area. I'm not sure, but mm-hmm. – he was able to solo in six hours of training. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. So, but, but a powered parachute is a lot less complex than an airplane, and you don't have it's to worry about... It's a light about, sport aircraft, yeah. But you don't have the worries of, like, stalling and, and engine failure. I mean, you've, you've got a parachute on your back, so if it goes out, right. you just glide down to the ground and you're fine. Right, right. So, again, it's... So, what is the real problem, you know, we're trying to solve? So, we have a lot of outside-the-box thinkers. Um, we've gotten... A, into a lot of UAV technology. So if the, the goal is getting supplies in and out of the jungle, then what, what would be the best use or best method to be able to go about that? Um, one of our team members was uh, talking to a missionary pilot, and he uh, mentioned that the majority of the flights that he does every year would be delivering a package that could fit in the palm of your hands. And so... You're firing up an aircraft, the fuel, the pilot's life is being put, you know, at risk. There always is a risk. Um, So what if there was another solution? And so that's when we've been using UAVs, um, unmanned aerial vehicles or drones, um, working to be able to take small packages and deliver into remote places. And so they've got a unit that can deliver a one pound package 60 miles away. Oh, wow. And that's all autonomous. That's using GPS and uh, autopilot. So you basically would use a mission planning software. You tell it where you want it to go. You would um, kind of fire it up. We have this long slingshot. You pull it back and it goes off and 
it'll go deliver and come back. Wow. So that's awesome. Yeah. So and I know he talks in there about just like when he's talking about the importance of aviation points out that a one minute flight sure. would take two hours on the ground. Right. Something like some ratio similar to that. Yeah. So you, you think of um, somebody gets bit by a snake, you know, and in a remote place. So you have, you know, a minute flight time equals, you know, hours of travel on the ground. Mm-hmm. And so it's life or death. Yeah. And so what, you know, going back to the origin, Nate Saint, you know, his heart was getting in and out of these places. Um, Steve Saint was a pilot and carried that on and trying to find solutions, getting in and out of places. He maintained this kind of core in aviation. And we're continuing to look at aviation um, as a part of our training, but looking at it more as, as broader than just one man and an airplane. Yeah. We're trying to expand it out and look at the bigger problem of transportation, which is the issue, and how can we use available technology and just really think outside the box to find solutions. Cool. Yeah. Um, if you don't mind, I want to take just a short, maybe three minute break and then sure. come back and just keep the discussion going. I, th- I think this is fascinating. And uh, Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Oh. Hey, Colleen, we have been pretty busy at the Christian podcast community. Yeah, we've added seven new podcasts. That's right. We've added two guys and a Bible there, a conversation on theology, culture, and God's word. We've added Echo Zoe Radio with Andy Olson, a monthly interviews with knowledgeable guests on a variety of topics dealing with theology, apologetics, errant teaching, and cultural issues. Revived Thoughts which exists to bring history's greatest sermons back to life. Quest for Truth, which is comparing worldviews in a casual setting, digging deeper into the Bible and its challenges. Uh, Creation Science for Kids. A mom and her kids discuss creation science and all the areas of theology affected by it. We also have Cave to the Cross Apologetics, which is a new one dealing with apologetic issues. And then we have some brand new podcasts. Why don't you share about Awe and Wonder? Yeah, so Awe and Wonder is hosted by a friend of mine, Kristen, and uh, her podcast is to help women grow in biblical literacy, theology, discernment, Christian living, and our awe and wonder of God. And she's going to be doing Bible study, Bible verse memorization, and conversations on the podcast and through social media sprinkled in to her various episodes. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about this. Um, she'll be talking about things like the attributes of God, stories behind some of the hymns, and some s- stories of martyrs, you know, people that came before us. One thing that she says is Psalm 115.1 is a verse that they recite every morning at the school that she's working at. And it's become one that she reminds herself of a lot and that she'll be sharing a lot. And it says, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. And then we will have one last very special podcast that's going to be brand new, Theology Throwdown. And Colleen, this is where all of the podcasters of the Christian podcast community are going to gather once a month to discuss theology and discuss our differences that we all have in different areas but we're going to display that we can talk theology with charity and love toward one another, kind of the way we think Christians should be behaving online. And we're going to be doing that and discussing theology, so it's going to teach theological issues, give different perspectives, and yet also display that we can do this with love and charity toward one another. So I hope everybody is checking out all of the new podcasts, and if you want to check them all out, go to Christian podcastcommunity.org today to listen to some great teaching.
So, Jim, um, I was going to ask you also, uh, we were talking about aviation before uh, before we went to the break. Um, the The backstory with Nate was that he was with uh, Mission Aviation Fellowship, mm-hmm. and um, that was a it was quite a a big thing. You know, they provided the aircraft and they were helped with the maintenance and whatnot. And um, I'm not super familiar with with Missionary Aviation Fellowship, but I would assume that as you're developing light aircraft, that is is that an organization you're working with now? Um, so yeah, uh, we were talking about aviation and um, some of the the roles of the history of, of that, and and uh, you know uh, as you know Nate Saint was working down in Ecuador, MAF was, was his sending agency. They provided the airplane, they provided, um, the maintenance. And, um, so I think one of the things that is, is changing in our culture now, as far as mission work is the, the need to look at how are we going to partner with indigenous Christ followers? Mm-hmm. You know, the, the challenge of training, uh, missionary pilots, um, from the U.S. to go and provide service in other countries uh, for their entire career is is challenging. Finding pilots to do that, and so I think one of the hurdles we're up against right now is how do we train and equip indigenous pilots? Sure. Um, and so that might not look the same. If mm-hmm. that makes sense. No, um, I, it, I, it totally makes sense. Right. Um, so trying to look at that from different angles and, and finding ways to maybe give them the tools that are appropriate for their field. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a place for Kodiaks, the large aircraft, you know, million dollar aircraft. It's, it's going to cost quite a bit to fly in and out and operate on a daily basis. Um, there's a place for, there's a need for those. Um, yep. That might not be an everyday use. I mentioned earlier, there's a, a preacher pilot um, that uses a powered parachute, getting himself in and out of, yeah. small villages and it's a huge opportunity for him to be able to do that so um those are those are two extremes and mm-hmm. uh, each place has as a unique need and uh i think those are some of the challenges that the larger organizations are working through now um that it's looking different the field looks different and uh, we we'd love to talk to people and process through um how we might be able to help think a little bit outside the box on that. Mm -hmm. I saw something about um, an airplane. I'm looking you know, it was like in the first chapter of the book, it it looked like an actual airplane, like wing, not, not a powered parachute. Mm -hmm. Right. And um, I'll just read the little blurb here. It says, I tech staff member, Gene Walrath stands in front of a plane built by iTech to evaluate the possibility of making inexpensive aircraft for use by indigenous believers. This prefabricated plane can be carried on airlines as a company baggage and assembled in the field with simple tools. That sounded yeah. really interesting. And it looks like, well, uh, like I mean, the picture there, it, it looks like a, it's a small plane, definitely, but it looks like a, an airplane. It's got big wings on it. Oh, yeah. No, and that, that, was, uh, that was pre-9-11. Oh, so okay. there, there's uh, a lot of that particular insert there was um, – Things have gotten a little more complicated in the aviation world and tightened down. But that aircraft, um, it, it's more complicated than, than it needed to be. Okay. Um, as, as we mentioned, there's, there's appropriate technology uh, for what people need and how much to train. And um, that was a project that didn't work. Okay. And I think that's been one of the things that we've had to wrestle with that, um, man, not everything we do is, is going to work out. Yeah, but – you know, as we were talking before, I think that makes sense because like I said, you know, it took me 30, 40 hours to solo as opposed to the indigenous believer who does it in six on a powered parachute simply because, you know, even with, with this airplane, you're going to have to worry about stall and you're going to worry about, uh, you know, glide, best glide speed and emergency procedures and, and all right. that stuff. Whereas uh, a powered parachute, your, your power goes out. You're just going to look for the best patch of ground to set down on right. that you can find. And, and that's going to be a lot smaller than it would be on an airplane. Right. Yeah. And we mentioned uh, the Maverick earlier, and that was a design 
um, they tried to use a balance of the uh, short takeoff, short landing. Mm -hmm. And uh, so like a powered parachute would be um, the Maverick actually needed about a hundred yards uh, to take off and land, but it was uh, a fully road vehicle blended yeah. with a power parachute. So it was trying to come up with a solution for um, not needing to fly all the time. You know, sometimes you can drive until you get to a place where there's a patch of jungles you have to fly over. Sure. Uh, yeah. So we worked to try and find a solution for something that could be used day in and day out. One of the hurdles for the Maverick project was uh, the cost. Um, we're a small organization, and so R and D can get pretty expensive very, very quickly. Um, mm -hmm. And so we produced several of those units, uh, but we just ran into several kind of hurdles, and we felt that for the time being, we're going to put that project on hold and focus more on our, our UAV development. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that sounds interesting because you know you hear about like Amazon working on that kind of stuff, and it seems like oh yeah, that was well, coming. Same kind of technology and um, just it's, as useful it, out in the jungle as it is here in the suburbs. Well, you know the one industry that's driving the UAV field uh, further and faster than anything else is is the uh, cell phone industry. Mm -hmm. Batteries are, are smaller more powerful, lighter, and that enables you to go further, faster with UAV. So a lot of the cell phone battery technology is going into other industries. And so we're working on a unit right now that's a blend of um, gas-powered and battery-powered. Um, so it, it's going to have a 200-pound payload and so, be able to travel about 100 miles. A hybrid so, drone, huh? Yeah, yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah. So there's there's stuff like that out there and um, yeah it's 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 going to be a part of our future. Hmm. So what our our team tries to do is look at those in remote places and try to take the technology that's available and equip them so that they can have the resources. Okay. Now if I were to come down to your facility in Florida there and take a tour, what would be the biggest thing you would want me to take home? To, to, to tell my friends and my church and wh what do you want people to, to understand the best? Yeah. Um, so I think some of the challenges that we're up against is, is we're in a lot of different areas, you know, just it seems like there's a lot going on. And the thing that I, I want to challenge people to walk away with is that we are trying to find creative ways to equip the indigenous church. Mm -hmm. uh, we, the great, you mentioned the book, The Great Omission. So what Steve writes about, the, the great omission is not including the indigenous church and the great commission. So the idea that, that we as the North American church are going to send out uh, missionaries and, and accomplish the great commission on our own is, is an improper perspective. Mm -hmm. Our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world, uh, we're, we're to work with them as, as the global church. And so uh, finding ways to be able to give them tools so that they can meet needs of their community as a, as a door opener for the gospel, that's what we're wrestling with. That's, that's the, the calling that we feel like God's given us. And, and we want to challenge others to not think about going. We often think in short-term missions of what can we go and do? Mm -hmm. And instead, the challenge would be what can we go and train? What, what can we go and give? on a short-term trip that might leave a long-term impact? Or, or what are the complexities in the short-term trips that we often don't think about? And so shifting into um, maybe walking with our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world uh, would be the challenge I'd, I'd hope you'd walk away with. Okay. And there's some focus on, on money too, I think, that was it was good to, to read about. And not just like... No, we all know that we need money. And you've said sure. here in the course of this that, you know, you're, you're engaged in R&D for things. But you really, really, uh, I think he helped me in understanding kind of more of the best use of money. Hmm. You know, and we talked a little bit about at the beginning about, like, it would not be hard to go to a bunch of churches and tell of a need and, and do a fundraiser and, and buy, you know, like sure. we said, an airplane or something. But Sure. Um 
what can we do to help the audience better understand, you know, from a missionary perspective in mm. Steve's history and, and um, not avoiding money, but better using money? Well, I think this is one of the huge challenges um, that, that we're up against. I don't think anybody that, that's listening would say that the, uh, the North American church has, has been blessed with financial resources. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do we do with that? You know, is, is it to just give it away? Um, well, maybe. I, I don't know. There, there's, there's a lot of things to wrestle with. One of the things that I've heard, and Brian Fickert talks a lot about this out of the Chalmers Center, um, that there has to be a progression. So there's situations that happen that, that take relief, that relief work. So let's just say in Haiti, there's an earthquake. There's a time when we need to just provide relief. There's a lot of needs, practical needs that need to be met. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's a phase of rehabilitation, the, moving things back you know, to where they were, and then on in, into development. The problem is if we just stay in relief, if we're just giving and giving and giving, it creates dependency. And so that becomes the challenge because it's a lot more complicated to move towards rehabilitation and development. Mm-hmm. So when, when it comes to financial resources, we're stewards of what God's entrusted with us. Um, so what is the appropriate response? What, I mean, are we to ignore our brothers and sisters in Christ that are in a developing world that, that don't have the same access to resources that we do? Are we just supposed to send them money? Um, maybe. I think we need to work with wisdom and not allow helping as for what Brian Fricker would refer to as when helping is hurting. Mm -hmm. Sending money can bring a lot of complications. And so working and walking through the development um, is something that we're, we're very passionate about. So it's not always easy just to give, just to give you a brief example. um, The wild hunting tribe, we actually have a facility that operates in Ecuador. We call it iTech Ecuador. And so we are, um, it's run by all Ecuadorians. And so we're working with the tribe um, and doing uh, what it's called a wild vision trip. But the best way to describe it is it, it's an all inclusive jungle experience. Yeah. And so let me just tell you. I was reading about that. You still do those? Yeah. We yeah. got a team going in January. Cool. So, yeah. And we're doing them several times a year. That's a good, being from Minnesota, I can say January is a good time of year to go. (laughs) Bring it. Yeah. So we can make it happen. It's an awesome trip. And uh, just like you mentioned, I mean, the the jungle, there's there's not an opportunity to go and and get a job at the local Lowe's. You know, there's there's not the the stores to go and the economy is complicated out in the jungle. And so what we've worked with the Wild Donnie to do, and this is actually based on their request. They asked us to bring teams down where they would host, and they've set up a camp. They teach you how to hunt. They teach you how to fish. Um, they do all the cooking for you. They teach you how to make spears and blowguns, and it's really a cultural experience provided by the Wild Donnie. And so when you pay a, you know, to go on this trip, you're paying the Wild Donnie to host you in the jungle. And so that is something where to get money into the jungle, we could put something up on, on the internet and say, Hey, donate to the wild on But you can imagine the complexities that's going to bring if we're just sending money down. Yeah. I mean, look at our current welfare state in our country, yep. you know, just throwing money at a situation doesn't work. Yeah. It's walking with, you know, well, there's a lot of different, different aspects of the complication. There's, the dependents, but then there's also the others who look on and see it and say, well, why should I, why should I work towards this, whatever goal when the Americans are providing it to them? So, you know, the Americans will provide it to us too. That's it. And it takes away incentive and drive, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, But, you know, we're working through it. There's plenty of areas where there's complexities in this, but, 
what we've done is, um, you know, we've set up these dates where, where people come in and the Wild Donnie worked very hard to build the camp. Um, they work very hard while you're there. And so they each get, you know, a portion of the money, mm-hmm. you know, from, from this trip. And so um, that's one way that's, that's a little bit of a different, um, I guess it's like an ecotourism um, yeah. approach. But um, yeah, so money. Then they in turn turn around and they use that to buy like these uh, powered parachutes or the, the, the dental chairs well, or, or whatever it is their tribe needs. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in a lot of ways, I mean, they've got complications that they never had before. Um, they've got an aging population. You know, the average life expectancy I heard was was not past 30 uh, before. And so now they've got well, they stopped killing each other. So right. Now they're getting right. old. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they're getting old. They're just having to care for for the tribe like they hadn't had to before. And that in reality takes money. Mm-hmm. And when you know there's things like a chainsaw that exists and you live in the jungle and trying to build a house, yeah, it'd be pretty awesome to have one of those. And so um, there's just some practical things that, that they need. And so, um, you know, uh, this provides a way rather than just saying, here you go. It's, well, this, this would be a way for you to earn earn that money. So. Cool. Well, um, we're coming up on towards an hour and, you know, that's, I usually shoot for an hour. Um, but I want to, you know, give you an opportunity before we close, if there's anything we missed that you'd want to cover or anything you want people to understand better, I think kind of cover that a little bit, but you know, like whatever you want. Yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah. So people support you, you know, whatever, anything. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a journey just explaining who we are and why we exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as I mentioned before, we, we wrestle with this, this history and, and um, we liken it to the standing on the shoulders of giants that, that have gone before us. And uh, we don't want to uh, forget our past. We acknowledge it, but there, there's things that we're doing today and, and we're very passionate about where iTech is going forward um, day in, day out. Our, our team is working on, on training, um, whether it be on a short-term trip or working on the training curriculum. Um, our team is working on different engineering projects. Uh, so uh, just this first quarter, uh, we're quarter of 2020, uh, we're going to be doing um, our first agriculture training. So what that looks like is short-term trip. We're going to go in for a week and teach people how to maximize the resources that they have available to them. Mm -hmm. And so um, on an ongoing basis, currently um, we're doing five trainings. The sixth will be in agriculture, but we're doing dentistry, medical work, mechanical, which would be small engine repair and maintenance. Uh, We have our site enhancement, which involves using glasses Mm -hmm. uh, and then video production. So we're teaching people how to create their short films on a short-term trip. So all of those would take place in that short window. And so I lay all that out there is that if you are, you know, involved in any of those areas, um, you're a farmer, you're, you know, working video production, you are a mechanic, um, we can use those people on short-term trips to train the local Christ followers, or maybe you have, some type of relationship with people in another part of the world and they have that need. Uh, mm-hmm. We love to talk to you about what it might look like for you to do your own short-term trip and train and train the local people so that the work can continue. Um, that idea, again, that idea that the Waldani had wasn't just unique to them of having the desire to learn what missionaries often came and did for them mm-hmm. globally that, that need is there. And we feel that this is a crucial role in working and walking with our brothers and sisters in Christ um, to train and equip rather than just go and do. Awesome. And one last thing I noticed just this, just today, I noticed that you're working on uh, starting up a podcast of your own soon. Yeah. Yeah. So. Really excited about that. Um, you know, we've got, this, this, the developing of tools, we're training overseas, and our goal is to grow in this, equipping others to do the same. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to challenge the, the idea of this training model. It's different. 
it is a little bit of a paradigm shift. And so, um, you know, it's walking and wrestling through some different aspects of it. So we've been interviewing people that are involved in training um, and whether they've been trained or they are do the, doing the training. Um, so, yeah, we, we'd love for you, if you love podcasts, um, to, to check them out. It's called Mission Minded. Mission Minded. Um, so we'll yeah. have that on uh, through our website. And uh, we're also working on a um, documentary uh, where we're interviewing people along the same lines. Cool. And that should be first quarter of 2020 as well. Okay. So, and that the podcast starts at the according to the website just in January. In January. So this, yeah. this sh- hopefully will be posted um, you know, New Year's Day, or if not uh, within the, cool. certainly within yeah. the first few days. I, I don't think, but for our prior little, my gaff, I guess I don't have a whole oh, lot of hey, no, so, <laughs> so I wasn't paying attention. Oh, that was my fault. But so, uh, I should be able to get it up pretty quick. So I'm hoping uh, January 1st. So, so keep great. your eye open for yeah. that. And um, at, uh, I look well, forward hey, to it. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of great videos too that you've already got. Not necessarily a podcast specific, but iTech's got a pretty interesting YouTube channel with a lot of stuff on it. Oh man, yeah. You know, YouTube is is a very interesting platform. Um, anybody, you know, can take these these devices, these little smartphone devices, create mm. a video, and reach the world. Yeah. Um, I don't believe that we are maximizing that for kingdom purposes. And yeah. so um, that's a challenge we're up against. Uh, we have a video that um, our guy on our team worked with a local women's pregnancy center uh, that here, here in town created a short film and it's been viewed, I believe about 8 million times oh, wow. in every country except for North Korea, which I don't know if they have YouTube in North Korea, but they don't have any <laughs> stats yet. for it on Google. Yeah. So, um, not yet. Just little small town here in Ocala has now a video that has been seen globally, mm-hmm. and so there's a huge opportunity, you know, for impact on that. And so, um, yeah, you could see some great videos of of our team. We, like I said, I've got a professional videographer. We've got some really talented people, but. I think the big challenge is how are we as followers of Christ going to utilize the resources that we have at our disposal? Mm-hmm. Well, very cool. Well, um, thank you very much, Jim. I, I we've been looking forward to this for months. I'm glad we were able to work it out and um, had a fascinating discussion and uh, encourage people to check out iTech and yeah, reach out for the book. I, like I said, I'm 70% through. I can't wait to finish it. It's, it's really a great book, especially um, it has a lot of great points. I don't, I'm not going to r- ruin too much for people, but uh, a lot of great points that I took um, to heart and um, really enjoyed it and definitely want to finish it and stuff. So, Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll send you a link, Andy, so you can actually put it in your show notes as well. Mm-hmm. There's uh, I will do that. The Missions Dilemma is mm-hmm. a seven-part series. Did, have you watched any of that? Uh, yeah, I think I did. Okay. It's been a while. I, I think I said, I, like, shortly after you sent it to me, I watched some of it. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, well, I'll send you a link that you could post in the show notes where sure. they could download a copy of The Great Omission, the uh-huh. ebook. They could watch The Mission's Dilemma, or they could email us. We'll send them a copy of it. Awesome. Um, and as far as your, uh, your I will book put that. Away, I will put we'll, that we'll in there. Sure, uh, I'll make sure you get something that you could you can do for that as well. Oh, no. You know, I, like I said, if if you're giving the book away anyway, then – Sure. Um, uh, you know the ebook or whatever. You know, just check out the iTech. What is the iTech website? It's iTechUSA.org. Okay, and uh, I will have all of this stuff in the additional resources section. It's usually kind of towards the bottom of the show notes, but uh, I'll put all those links you sent me and the iTech website and stuff. But uh, definitely encourage people to check that out. So awesome, Andy. Well, thank you so much for uh, having. Uh, having me on and uh, yeah if we can well, thank you if you have any it. assistance for any of your listeners we're, we're here uh, we love to help and we love awesome. to learn about the work you're doing awesome well thank you echo zoe radio is an outreach of echo zoe ministries if you are blessed by the show please consider offering your support there are many things you can do to help including prayer sharing the show with others and your financial support 
Echozori Ministries is a registered nonprofit organization with 501c3 tax exempt status, and your donations are tax deductible. For more information about how you can support Echozori Ministries, please visit slash support. That wraps up episode 141. Thanks for listening to Echozoe Radio. And for those show notes that we were talking about, you can check those out at echozoe.com slash 141. So also be sure to check out uh, the, the website for links to Echozoe on social media because we're on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube and love to connect with you. So follow, like, and subscribe to Echozoe Ministries. Help us also get the word out by sharing or retweeting the announcements that you get for uh, your favorite episodes. So with that, uh, Lord willing, we'll be back next month with the February episode of Echo Zoe Radio. 